but it's very hard to kind of figure out what a 10-year plan or a 5-year plan should look like. You want to try and push things to move quickly. You should almost never have to like wake up and look for a job from scratch. You want to go in knowing like what is the your market value. What does looking for a new role look like? I always negotiate. I think it's healthy to negotiate. They were stuck in a role in one company and all they needed was them to go to a different company, exact lateral role and they would just make it work. The average time frame for leaving jobs is like 18 months. Every day you come energized and you're learning something. Do I really need to like ask for more? Should I ask for more? I feel like you should ask for more. What should you do? Deals, offers, they all hinge on energy. <laughs> so what you want to do is like you want to say I love this role. I want to do my best work on my career. I can't wait to get started. I just need this thing. If you give me this thing, I'm going to sign the dotted line. We're good to go. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Wow. This is just us today. We just have us today. Um, we wanted to talk about a topic that we get asked about a lot. And, you know, I think Sriram and I, we've been in this industry, in the tech industry, for over a decade and a half. And, uh, <laughs> And, you know, I think uh, one of the things that comes up, especially around this time of the year, um, is new jobs and finding new roles. When should you do it? How should you do it? What's the whole framework we use? When should I quit a job? And so on and so forth. So everything around new job, new roles, finding the next thing in your career we just wanted to do one episode to cover a lot of those and what's worked for us, what we hear from other people, best practices, see where that goes. Yeah. One good place to start is, should people quit their jobs and when? Um, yeah, I think this is, you know, it's uh, end of July. For many companies, tech companies, this is performance review season. Mm-hmm. And performance review season is always, uh, it's kind of, it, it, it does a few things, right? One is it gets, gets you a sense of evaluating where you are. First of all, it's so scary. It's it is so scary. I mean, no matter where you are in your career, it's always, it's, it's never fun to go through performance reviews, but it also gives you a sense to take a step back and be like, where am I in my career? How am I doing? What have the last six months been, three months been, last year been? Kind of take stock, but also get a sense of, should I do something different? We've often had people reach out and say, I want to become a product manager. How do I do that? I have not built that experience yet, but I want to switch roles. Or I just want to leave this company. Or I just want to leave this manager because of whatever reasons. And so there is no one size fits all on when should you quit and when should you find a new job. But we can talk through a framework that you can go use. So what would you say is like, when is it time to go quit? You know, I think quitting is often just an emotional thing where uh, I, I think somebody once said this, you know, you, you, most of people don't quit teams, jobs, they quit their managers. Yeah. Uh, I think that's true. But I also think like what sometimes can happen is people have an emotional reaction to a manager or a situation and they want to leave, right. which, which is also very probable. But maybe the bigger question is how do you kind of approach your career in general? And I think one way to think about it is you want to think of roles in these two, three year stints. Okay. And you want to think about, you know, what are you getting out of each role? And it could be any number of things. Uh, I think learning and experience is a big part of it. Some of it is could be, you know, um, getting scope and what you work on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be as simple as, you know, notching up uh, a title or notching an experience which you feel is missing. Um, you, you know, some of it could be monetary, 
I think they're all, you know, very valid, fair uh, reasons. But I would try and think about things in a, you know, two to three year or maybe even like five year arc. Mm-hmm. And think about in your current role, one, okay, where are you in that arc? Right. And maybe you decide for whatever reason and we can talk about that, that you're not in the right part in that arc. But then where do you want to be the next five year arc? And that may mean one company, that may mean multiple companies. That may mean a different role in your current company. Right. There are many, many uh, ways to go tackle it. But the framework I often try and push people to is not to think about, like I heard, you know, I'm a PM at a company or I'm an engineer and I hate this team, I have a manager, that's great. You know, I, I've often left teams because of that. But just be like, hey, you are at this point in this arc of your career and your story and your trajectory. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And how do we get the pieces in place? And I think one thing that does is, it just sort of sometimes changes how you look at the problem and look at the situation. Right. And um, you can kind of approach it in a slightly different abstraction and a slightly different framework. So, Got it. Uh, I guess for me, the one thing I've always struggled with, and I don't know if this is true for others, is when I was early on in my career, when uh, people would say, or I would talk to folks who are like who mentor people, and they would be like, think about where you want to be in five years or 10 years. And I've always struggled with that because, you know, at least tech and what we do changes a lot. And five years is a lifetime, right? Sure, you can go from a IC product manager to a lead product manager. You can start managing people. You can be a GPM and you can kind of scale. Similarly for engineering, you have these tracks. But it's very hard to kind of figure out what a 10-year plan or a five-year plan should look like. How do you go deal with that when it's like it's not super clear on where you want to be in five years? I think there's a few ways, uh, hacks I t- tell people. Uh, I think one very, very easy thing to do is just look at somebody else and say, I want to be that person right. in four or five years and just right. do the memetic loan. Yeah. And all of us probably have people we look up to. We might be mentors. We might have celebrities. Yeah. And it could be anybody, right? It could be, uh, for example, you know, let us say you're at Google uh, and you are a mid-level product manager and you say, well, I want to do what Neil Mohan is doing someday, right? Mm-hmm. Where he, he climbed up the ranks and, you know, now, you know, CEO of YouTube after right. many, many years. Right. Or maybe you have very different aspirations. You say, well, I want to, uh, you know, chalk up a couple of experiences. Then I want to be CEO of my own company in six, seven years. Got it. Maybe you want to be a founder. Uh, but I think usually just like picking names and memetics. And this is not, I think sometimes people recall from this because I think everyone's like, well, I have my own different path and I want to cover. I respect that. But it gives you a reference point. Yeah. Right. It's a little bit like when you have like young athletes, they often say, Well, you know, I see this I want player to be Jordan. Yeah, but also I see this player playing in this position and I can do that uh, and that is the right. journey for me. So I would be like, Well, what is that journey? And you know, and it could be anybody, right? It could for example, if you're an IC engineer, you're saying, Well, I wanna be a incredibly senior technical contributor. I wanna well, John Carmack is probably <laughs> hard as well. I wanna be John Carmack. Or I wanna you know, be a CTO of an organization. You want to be Greg Brockman, you know, from CTO Stripe to, you know, you know, being president of OpenAI. So, yeah. but I think these memetic, you know, names are great reference points okay. because then you can be like, okay, if you want to do that, let's talk about where you are, yeah. you know, what your current trajectory is, what pieces you have and where you need to be. Right. So, okay. I say I have a path. Five years from now, I want to do A, B, and C. I am in this job where I don't feel completely fulfilled. Mm. I think you'd mentioned this before. People don't leave teams, companies, people leave managers. And that's both like, you know, bad managers and we've dealt with like a whole list of those. 
but also even if you have like a reasonable manager they might not be watching out for your career velocity mm-hmm. and how you want to grow scale and grow like you might just not be compatible on where you want to be so let's say things are not working out how much should you try to like fix the situation stick with the system because i think early on in our careers we've often gotten advice that's like just stick with it yeah. do the thing you know put your head down stay loyal don't like try and figure out the big bad world outside we've also gotten this counter advice like just you know if you're if you're not happy you're not happy just like go and i think tech silicon valley is like particularly notorious for this where i think the average time frame for leaving jobs is like 18 months or 24 months or something which i think is a little too short like i don't know mm-hmm. if you'll have like enough time frame to like ship something learn end to end and just like build long lasting products within yeah. that shorter time frame like things you to build lasting things you have to stick around a little bit longer so how do you figure it out what's like the right balance there well it's very different based on i think when you're in you're a big company and a startup so something some of these spread these conversations maybe you know you you may go well that's not applicable to me right. um because if you are like a series a company there's no other job to go to right? there's no other team you can move to you probably have to leave the company right. but if you are at a facebook or a google or a large company options. you always can move different divisions so right. some of it you might have to figure out how it applies to the situation uh i i do think there are first of all there are a few red flags to which i think people avoid one is having multiple job changes over like a five year span where you're maybe spending a year in each role mm-hmm. is often you have a question of well was this person incredibly unfortunate to be in a multiple bad situations and that happens mm-hmm. or is this person not willing to see things through and i think if you find yourself in multiple of those situations i think you might need to think about like well maybe you know you're not making the right choices maybe you're avoiding some uh, maybe you're not spotting some obvious problems when you join a new role but i think getting the heart of your question i think the fundamental thing people look for are is a sense of velocity and velocity is often really hard to quantify yeah how do you measure that uh, i think it's just a sign of like are you making progress and i feel like it's one of those things you know when you have it you know it right. uh, velocity could mean you're trusted with more and more scope velocity could mean every day you come energized and you're learning something and uh and people kind of tend to gravitate towards you you know yes. there are within companies you'll always find these pockets of people who are these career velocity people where they just attract other good performance people like a magnet and they all want to like work together build stuff together you can see them just coming like there's just this like momentum and energy that is hard to go quantify mm-hmm. and those are the people we've noticed that tend to get ahead and they they get ahead from not just like shipping the things that customers want and doing all the things that the company needs to do to be able to grow and succeed but they also have really good working relationships um they often are like good coaches mentors for junior people on their team you can kind of see that and mm-hmm. feel that it's also one thing where you know sometimes people they just velocity is often like a annoying phrase because it's so hard to quantify and uh it's all as when you have it you uh, you, you, know you, it. you know it yeah. i think the interesting thing with velocity is you i often seen people where they were stuck in a role in one company and all they needed was them to go to a different company exact lateral role and they would just make it work so often it's, it can be a function of your environment uh sometimes it's also one of the interesting things i think i was talking to somebody about recently is the way you come into a company can really uh uh maybe influence how people think of you and they put you in a certain box so one things i've sometimes seen people do is when they've not been able to say change management's perception of them 
you often have some an engineer who's seen as like this person's an amazing developer. He's not a great manager. He or she's not a great manager. And maybe they are, but maybe there's an incident which happened, or there was one thing, and then people kind of really slot you in, and you never find yourself getting those yeah, next level opportunities. Yeah. Sometimes you need like a, a change of uh, setting. But I would say velocity is like you just feel it when you have it, and you feel it when you don't. It's in every meeting, the kind of work that you do. I think the question then you have to ask is like, well, how long can you go when exactly. you're not feeling good about it? And um, when is it? When do you know that it's time? Yeah, it's a hard question. I would say one is uh, you. Are, first of all, is I think you have to give every company, team, situation, a company division um, some period of time. And one good unit of time is seeing something through from start to finish. Okay. Uh, so maybe you, you know, maybe there's a product which you, you know, you are involved at the very beginning. Or uh, you see it to the through uh, to the end, or there's the next version of something. Right. Like you think about, like okay, what is the thing that I'm going to put on my LinkedIn? And you see the entire cycle from start to finish. Right. And the reason is not just for bragging rights and talking about it. Does that that's only a part of it? But also to be like, hey, you've seen the entire loop at the company, and uh, you don't have the chance at like what are the because every time there's a product launch, you there's often some changing ha- changes which happen, and you can see it. But I do think it's important to go through like one cycle. Like for example, I. I left Facebook after like a few years there, but I had seen like a couple of iterations of like products launching and so on. And I think if I'd left before, I would never been probably been fulfilled. Uh, so I would say try and stick it out to one cycle, find out whatever the cycle is, okay. uh, and then leave. The situation I, I tell people to avoid is they start somewhere at four or five minutes and like they absolutely hate it. That does happen, but I think it's sometimes that you want to kind of go through one cycle. And even if I mean, do you really need to stick it out? I, I often kind of look at it as, if you really, really hate it and there is just this fundamental disconnect, you're better off exiting sooner than just like grinding it. Every every context is different. We don't know all the situations, right? There are some where you're like, eh, it's not that bad. I can like grind this out. But either you, you leave very early on or you stick it out for a full cycle. Yeah. I think the worst is to like kind of sort of meander halfway through and then you're just like, you have no energy, you just hate what you're doing, and it shows, it really reflects on a day-to-day basis. That's, I think, the worst of all worlds because everyone's just putting up with you, you're putting up with everyone else, everyone's just miserable. Yeah. You know, you also something, say, I think you once said this a few years ago where uh, you often don't want to run away from something, you want to run towards something. Right. The thing that I want to ask is like, let's say you're in a point where you know that this is not the right fit for you, what you're doing for... A lot of reasons. Things are generally good, but you just want to take that next big step. You want to try a different role. You want to go to a different kind of company. Oh, hey, you're really interested in, I don't know, like AI, and you really want to like gravitate towards that speciality. So whatever it might be, you've decided that it's time to go. How do you look for a new job? Like, Is it yeah. like you wake up one morning and you're like, do I open up my yeah. LinkedIn and start reaching out? What does looking for a new role look like? Well, I think the best part, well, just to go back, I think one of the challenges sometimes have when people like they go in this role and they hate it and they want to leave is then um, they often you often hurry to find the next thing right. and the next role may not be open right there, but you don't want to get out of the situation right. and so you wind up making a suboptimal decision. Yeah, you've so, mentally quit before you actually put in your notice. Yes, and you're also picking the next role which is not great. So now we have two problems because if somebody looks at your resume and they go, okay, this person quit his job in like four or five months, that happens, right? Because people have shitty situations of managers. They're going to give you like a mulligan and out. But then let's say you wanted to... A, a what and out? A mulligan. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's a pass. So you're like, okay, you know, people, that happens. But then what happens is like, let's say you're like, I really want out. You take the first available thing. But the first available thing isn't great. And then it's 10 months in, you're like, well, I want to leave here. 
then all of a sudden you have like two roles, maybe three roles now in happening in an 18-month period. And then you have to, you know, every future employer, recruiter is going to look at, well, what is going on here, right? Yeah. Is there like a series of bad decisions? Is there something wrong? And of course, each one of these may be reasonable, in, but they, they often have like a knock-on effect. Which, yeah. uh, I mean, individually they are fine, but cumulatively it just looks weird. Yeah, and maybe you find the right one, but often when you're under pressure to go find something new, yeah. um, uh, you don't. So yeah. which kind of links back to how do you look for a new role? I think the best way is, uh, I think Netflix had this, which is like always, you know, think about whether this is the right place for me right. and always be looking. Uh, yeah, they would actively at least long time ago, I don't know if things have changed, but they would just be like, feel free to interview. It's fine. And if you feel like you get a better offer with respect to compensation or title or whatever, at least be willing to come have a chat with us because maybe we haven't looked at you in the right context or we haven't like compensated you fairly for the work that you've been doing and somebody else is like willing to recognize that and we should do or we decide well you know we kind of take our chances so mm-hmm. they would it sounds a bit more transactional and mercenary but really i kind of like the intent of you're welcome to look around and just talk to other companies and it's not a taboo thing and they made it okay for and normalized it which i thought was very interesting there's a thing in there which is of always maybe uh, looking at what other options are. Right. And this can sometimes go counter to this notion of you have to be loyal to the place you right, work right, for. Right, right, uh, right. So what's the balance there? Well, I think we said this in previous episodes, I think the right answer is like you always want to have a very active network because the right way to look for a role is you don't. And when you're thinking of a change, you ping a few people in the industry, it will be people that work with you or know you and you say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about something else. In every single case, there'll be some conversation like, oh, we are working on X, Y, why don't you come have a chat and see whether it's a fit. Yeah. Maybe there is or there isn't. Or maybe you're not looking, but when that person is doing something interesting, maybe they have a new project or they're starting a new company, they ping you and that opens up. So I think having a very active network of peers, I would kind of slot peers into a few ways. One is uh, people you've already worked with, yeah. which is great because they know you, you have existing they relationships. They could be your best references, yeah. Great references, but they also want to maybe work with you again. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully some of them want to work with you again. So that's one category of people. Yeah. And what you want to do there is actively, you know, meet up with them every once in a while, see how things are. Right. Uh, maybe you have roles that you can get them into and continue maintaining ties. You'll be surprised how often people just don't maintain ties to people that they've worked with uh, right. in the past. So right. that's one bucket. The second bucket is just industry peers, right? Like, for example, let us say you're an engineering manager at, say, uh, I don't know, Facebook. You want to be like, well, let me go meet some interesting engineering leaders from a Google, an Apple, a Stripe, and all these other companies which are kind of in the same, same ballpark. Same yeah. ballpark. And so when those people, you know, one, obviously, you know, first of all, the way this helps you is like you always want to be recruiting, right? And so those people sometimes will have unhappy jobs and unhappy roles and they're going to call you and be like, hey, you know, I have this manager and like, and then be like, well, you should come talk to us and maybe we have a role. So you always want to be recruiting, right. but it goes both ways because yeah. then when you are unhappy, you, know, you can have a chat and they go, well, you know, no expectations, but when you come have a chat and see what we're up to, right. uh, those things lead to, uh, you know. But you- basically, I think what you're trying to say is, the worst kind of looking for new role times are when you actually desperately need to find a job. Yeah. You should never, if you can help it, and there are always you know, extenuating circumstances, but if you can help it, you should almost never have to like wake up and look for a job from scratch. You should, like we've talked about this before, there is real value in just building your network and networking is always, it sounds like such a smarmy word, 
but really it goes both ways you will need these people they will need you and it's always healthy to like maintain that and never have to wake up and be like hey i need to look for a new role can you help kind mm-hmm. of thing those are the worst because you're under pressure you're not thinking clearly your peers want to help but they don't really know how to help you and so it's just like you're you're just minimizing the window in which you can just go out explore find opportunities that you would really like and have the time frame to make a decision so keep like i would just maintain a healthy network um, how do you do that because i think people want to listen to this and they're going to be like well i have a busy job i have meetings everybody yeah what is it i do a grab coffee what does it mean that's the thing i think uh, lecturer like you've talked about this a lot before and i've learned a lot from you doing this because i i genuinely think you're a natural at this and for a lot of people it doesn't come naturally networking just feels like a dirty word it seems so abnormal and you also have busy lives everyone is busy especially if you have like you know family kids all of that it just adds to it but i kind of see it as always keeping tabs on what's happening in the industry mm-hmm. who's doing what who's building what like i kind of seek a lot of energy from seeing products using products mm-hmm. and the simple ways i do it is if i see a really nice product out there or new company or startup i would like reach out to the founders or i would send a note to like the pre pm there or the ceo there and i would be like that's really nice um you know i really liked how you built this or have a genuine organic conversation with no expectations like these all have to be infinite sum and these all have to be like i'm coming from a place of just understanding what you do and how you've done it and kind of start building out your core network of people who are similar to you you have similar taste in products aesthetics like that kind of thing and you can start there it doesn't have to be full fledged i go to every networking event i go to conferences i've seen people do that honestly that's like exhausting and it's like a level of commitment that most people don't have it's also kind of scary and the i don't know if the roi is worth it and all of that so for me it's about like looking around and keeping tabs with what's happening outside and just reaching out to people i'm a big fan of cold emails cold mm-hmm. linkedin outreaches that kind of thing but what tends to happen is when you're like ready to find something new you have the set of people who will always be in that like orbit in this mm-hmm. circle where you can kind of say hey you know just in case you know this i'm just putting it out there but ideally i'm trying to do these and these things or i'm trying to start a new company or whatever like put it out there through my career i've been very afraid to do this but every single time i've like kind of put myself out there good things happen like you will not believe the number of people who like reach back out to you and genuinely want to help you this is one of the big reasons why we love silicon valley this is like such a paid forward culture here for everything right like no strings attached we just want to help So one maintain a set of cohort of people who you get along with who you like um whatever is good for you with respect to keeping in touch but actually keep in touch mm-hmm. like the worst ones are where you reach out and say i want a network add me on linkedin don't do that like offer value offer help be of service and keep in touch with this orbit of people and when the time is right you can put yourself out there and good things generally tend to happen that's true and maybe we should do an entire episode on this because it comes up a lot on just yes. old emails and networking all right what do you look for a new job thankfully one of the things that has happened is i've never had to wake up and be like i need to find a job right i it's just happened that there have been roles that are interesting or people would have reached out and look not everyone's going to be in that situation especially like depending on where you're living what kind of opportunities are around you or remote versus not like there are lots of considerations 
for me, when I look at like a new job, everybody says this on like learning. So I look at it as like, what am I going to learn from this job? Mm-hmm. What do I get out of it? Like I'm, it's okay to be a bit selfish and focus on yourself on like what, when I exit this job in like three years or four years or whenever, what is the thing that is going to look like, yeah, I did that. I can like check a checkbox that I wanted to go do. Mm-hmm. And you can be tactical and selfish about it. Um, I think about like the title, the role. Mm-hmm. I know it's again like, oh, don't worry so much about title. But if you're not going to worry about your own career path, who else is going to do it for you? It's okay to think about it. It's it's fine to like not agonize about it and take like have the trade-offs. But you should at least like go in going like, what am I going to be known for? What, I don't want to be like a chief random officer. Like what does mm-hmm. that mean? And be kind of focused on that. Who am I going to work for? Manager, I think is really important. Um, when you are going through a recruiter and this endless cycle of like interviews, always, always have, make sure that you talk to the manager at least once, if not many times. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you get along. Uh, if in person is possible, meet them in person because you're going to spend so much time with this person. You're going to look to them on like, am I doing okay? Are you like, have you have you got my back? So I look for that. Uh, the other thing that is again a dirty word is compensation. Uh, yeah. It's okay to think about salary expectations. And, you know, for tech jobs, it's like base plus equity or RSUs or whatever you have. But the math needs to make sense for you. It can't be like, trust me and good things will happen because those are the kind of jobs where you're going in just not feeling great about it. So worry about net-net, does it work for you? Can you afford it? Will you learn a lot? Is your manager somebody you can get along with and build really great things with? Does the product space energize you? There are lots and lots of these criteria. What what are these for you? Well, I want to talk about the comp side later because I think that's the negotiation, which is one thing we want to talk about. On the role, I think one of the things I've learned is you have to understand the system of the company you're getting into, mm-hmm. which is what is how does the company work? And sometimes easier, I mean, if you say, how does Apple work? Yeah, well, that's like a multi-trillion dollar company with a zillion people, much yeah. harder. Yeah. But if you, the, most companies are like, what is the company? What do they sell? How do they make money? Mm-hmm. Where do you fit in that equation? Great point. Where yeah. is your manager, your manager's manager? Where do they fit? Are they in the critical path? Are they a new thing? Do people care about them? How much power does your manager have organizationally? Is this person new to the company themselves? Have they been around for a long time? So you, and these are not, good or bad because you're all clients but you want to understand the playing field that you're going into like for example i often see people losing well i'm going to join this new effort in this company you come in and oh that thing is some vp funded it that person's gone it's like it's a ghost town should you ever join one of those like super new efforts which like two three people but very much so but you kind of understand the dynamic you're going to want is it work that you like do you like the team there's a person if it's a new effort you know companies often have a sense of inertia so they want to kind of stick to what they're doing. So if it's a new effort, you're like, okay, where is the energy first coming from? Maybe the founder really cares about the passion project. Great, go do that. Maybe there is a very well-respected executive who has been chartered to go do that. Those are all very, very good things. But if it is like, oh, somebody else, you know, there's a part, I can think of a particular example. Somebody is like, well, I will quit this company if you don't let me do the side project and oh, hire yeah. a few people, right? Yeah. So you become one of those people then, well, you're not in the critical path, you're grudgingly accepted at best and then it's a you know a bad situation. Then the exec just gave you the blessing to go do this, but they really hate you for it. Yeah. And so it's just like you're never resourced. You know, if you join that team as a team member, you don't know if you can like actually have the capacity to like run with things and yeah. ship stuff. Yeah. So it's just a 
you know, it's a failure state, basically. Yeah, my general bias is for most people is to uh, look at things which are a little bit on the upswing. So, uh, you know, is there, is there going to be growth? Uh, you know, are you going to look, get to do new things or take things to completion? So those are all, and all these are obviously very dependent on whether you are, say, 21-year-old or whether 35-year-old, like very, very different situations. But uh, I think those are general things. I would say understanding the playing field mm-hmm. is very, very key of where you're going into uh, uh, because then, you know, the one thing you want to avoid is having a surprise where you're one third, two in and then like, well, we don't know we're going to ship anything because all our peer teams hate us, right? Yeah. Or we're shipping this product but sales can't sell it and this company is going down. So those may be good situations because maybe, you know what, you want, you you know, you bounce out a lot and you want some stable time on your resume, that's fine or you want a particular lifestyle but you at least don't, you want, you want to be surprised. You want to have done your homework and the way you do your homework is you talk to everybody. You talk to existing people, you talk to others in the industry, you talk to people who work with your manager, you just you just do this 360 degree conversation and you figure uh, everything out. But once you do that and you say, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I, I would say one very short rubric is, does it energize you? Like, I didn't have this whole joke about, like, every time I start a new job, uh, you know, like, on the first day, uh, you know, do I, like, you know, send a text being, like, when you go through orientation, do I send a text, like, this is great or this is bad? Because at times that I say this is bad, it's not worked out. At times that this is great, it's actually worked out. So, the first, usually you can tell an orientation day, you know, right. that you made a mistake or not. Uh, and uh, Maybe. I think you need to be far enough along in your career to be able to make a call uh, just on orientation uh, day. You know, and we'll also, I think we'll do a whole episode on like, what does it mean to join a new job? Like, once you start, what do you do? How do you, we big believers in like a 30, 60, 90 framework and all of that. But I think generally, if you've decided that you need to look for a new job, give yourself time, give yourself space. Finding a job takes time. No matter what your peers tell you, which is like, oh, this this whole thing just like dropped on my lap. And in two weeks, I was like working at this place. Sure, but that's not the norm. That's the exception. Finding a job where you feel like this is a good place for you to go to is a it's a pretty big step. You're going to spend yeah. time there. So take the time. Don't be under pressure. Yeah. I think if you run a process, the process means you've made up your mind of like this is the company I want, these are the kind of opportunities I want. You've spoken to a few people and you know, there is always a you know a little bit of a temptation. Sometimes people just keep I'm just gonna continue looking. Yeah. But you put a bounded process, you're like, I'm gonna spend six months, I'm gonna do X number of companies, I'm gonna do a couple of loose a, a few Well like drop on. a list. Yeah, drop a list. I think you'll feel good that, you know, maybe it's you haven't found the optimum outcome, but you found a really good one. You found a good one, you understand the trade offs going into it. Yeah. No, there is another version of this where every once in a while you're going to get an opportunity your way where it is a, you know, to Shell Sandberg's quote, right? Like, with a rocket ship, don't ask what seat. The rocket ship shows up and you just want to get on it. And the rocket ship is not just because you're going to make money, hopefully that happens, but it could also be because you're around some amazing people. Yeah. Like, for example, for me, you know, like being at Facebook, that era, like so many of those people are gonna do amazing things and, you know, so just being close to that network. But also company. you got to build out the Facebook audience network, which I think is, uh, you know, has like demonstrably been meaningful for the business and it'll always be something that you did. Yeah, right? yeah. But even if that hadn't happened, I think being around some really smart people, it shows you what is possible. Because I remember going to Facebook and I was like, oh, the level of competence that time was right. so high. Right. right. Everything just worked, you know. Right. People just get built amazingly over the weekend. You're like, you're like, oh, this is not possible. And in a way, I didn't even know that was possible. Uh, yeah, before. that's a great point. I would say if you're looking for a new role, generally look for a place where they will up-level you. Um, and there are many cliches on this, like, oh, you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room, like that kind of thing. But really look for a place where you can truly learn. There are people who are like 
holy crap, like these people have figured it out and they've done this many times over and I'm here to go sit down and learn. I think when we first joined Microsoft, it felt that way. Like we were like kids out of college and there were all these people who've been there for like 20, 30 years, like kind of took us under their wings and we looked at them and we were like, this is amazing. Like these people are at like a level that is just so good. Not so much like, not so because of like an IQ difference or whatever. I think it's really more of like, they've done this over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. They've like seen how it, what it takes to go ship these world-class products over decades. And there is that level of experience that you just can't get unless you do it. And so it was great to just be there in that room and learn from these people. So optimize for you getting into this room and being like, man, when I get out of this role or this job, I'm going to feel really good about where I ended up. Negotiation. So some you, you want to take a role, yeah. the recruiter says, well, they're excited, you're excited, and you get this, you know, how do you say happens? They make you a call, they be like, I'm going to give some numbers, I'm going to send you an email. Make an offer that they can't refuse. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. And, uh, I, you know, that is usually, you know, most cases say that it's like a compensation number, that is an equity number of some yeah. kind. Yeah. What do you do? Um. You know, I think there is so much awkwardness around compensation and pay. I've lost track, even in this year, of the number of people who just call me and just or like text me and be like, I got to negotiate. I'm really bad at negotiating. I, you know, do I really need to like ask for more? Should I ask for more? I feel like you should ask for more. What should you do? And yeah, there's no one size fits all. Look, if it's it depends on the job. You love the job. You love the people. Everything is a slam dunk. You don't want to haggle over comp fine, it's up to you. Like, you know, it's like, don't stress out over it. Net, net, it'll all work itself out. Like, you will pick up the skills. You will end up working with some amazing people. The upside will all be worth it. Like, I would not just lose sleep over that. In general, my philosophy, and I don't know if it's the same as yours, honestly, is like, I always negotiate. I think it's healthy to negotiate. I think it's, uh, you kind of get a sense of, A, where do you stack rank in the ecosystem of the company? I also look at it as if you can get through this, that is like a non-optimal conversation, like comp money related conversations are almost always a bit awkward. If you can do this right now outside being outside the company, you kind of come in with a set of like, yeah, I've had that. Like I've had that as like a common context and you can like get past that. But if you're, if you've either been like a pushover and you'll just take like the first offer, you've never had to do that you're going to have a lot more awkward conversations with your manager, with the recruiter, and so on. And you might not have the skill set. I don't know if that makes sense, but I kind of look at it as like a test for myself on can I do this before I join? And it's almost like, I don't want to say it is a sport, but it's now not less about the dollar value. It's really about like, can I do this? Right. And want to put myself out there and have that conversation. Right. And I think it's healthy to have awkward conversations. Yeah, I think so. So this is one of those conversations which is, I think, very dependent on the stage of the company. For example, if you're the fourth or fifth employee in a startup, you're talking to CEO, the range and conversations will be so dramatically different than if you're talking to Google or Facebook. But let's say it's like, let's say it's a somewhat large company, CDC about a large company. The first thing you have to understand is that you have to do your homework. And there is a step before this where you you have to figure out what level you're being brought in at. And level is like not exactly numbers, sometimes the number, but it's like more like what stage of the organization you're being brought in at. And I think some often like people, you know, the mistake they often make is, or they're like, well, I came in at this lower level and then, you know, and it's much harder for you to go up to ranks. And very often I would say, you know, it's much easier to have this discussion before you join the company and say, hey, 
given my experience or given what I'm going to bring to the table, I need to be at this higher tier, mm. then, then you're stuck in the system inside. So that's number one. The second part is you really want to do your homework because a lot of these companies are these bands that people can operate in. So even the options for where you are are way kind of constrained in the band. The person you're talking to probably doesn't have the power to offer you anything within like sort of a narrow window in terms of equity and stock and your manager doesn't have the power. Your manager's manager doesn't have uh, you know the power. If you're a superstar, maybe you can get outside that, but in the median case, you probably can't. So I think the first thing you want to be armed is this homework, which is, okay, what are other peers in this uh, space? Like, what are the titles? What are the levels they're coming in at? This title I'm getting, you know, is it commensurate with where I should be? Um, you know, and then this offer, like, where is it in the range, right? And usually it's probably they start off with somewhere in the middle. So that's number one. So you want to go in knowing, like, what is the your market value because if you don't you have no reference point right like yeah. are you too low you, you don't even know how to ask you're not armed with any information um you know second thing then you want to do is is like you have to understand the person you're talking to does this all day yeah. he's a recruiter yeah. they're having multiple of these conversations they've heard everything if you're the manager too usually the managers will negotiate with you on conversations. i mean it depends on the size of the company if you're yeah. like a small startup and look when i built my startup i was the hiring manager i was a recruiter yeah and and also the constraints of a startup is very very different so you kind of look at it as uh, which stage of the business, who are you talking to, and kind of customize your approach depending on that. With the startup, you can go in. Honestly, again, at startups, I've often you know helped founders where they would be like, this person came in from a fan company and is asking for X in base, in base pay. And we're like, well, that's unrealistic because startups by nature are like scrappy yeah. and you know don't have a lot of cash flow. Yeah. The bad. So you need to figure out you need to do your homework on where you fit in and what's possible. Yeah. And once you do your homework, I think the final part on this is you want to always convey enthusiasm for the company. Right. right. And you want to try and push things to move quickly. Right. right. Like Because at the end of the day, your recruiter is being measured on can they close you or not. Your manager really wants to get you if they come in. And what you don't want is you want to be like, oh, that person, oh, it's been two weeks. I've been negotiating every single little thing. Yeah. And then they lose energy. and deals, offers, they all hinge on energy. <laughs> so what you want to do is like, you want to say, I love this role. Yeah. I want to do my best work in my career. I can't wait to get started. I just need this thing. If you give me this thing, I'm going to sign on the daughter line. We're good to go. Yeah. Right? Like, and very often people botch this. Right? They'd be like, oh, I want to ask about a zillion different things and you're negotiating, haggling over every tiny thing. Worse, they often haven't seen classic Silicon Valley offer letters. So you get like people asking for things which nobody else would ask for. So if you do enough homework, you always convey energy and enthusiasm. And the recruit manager goes, oh my gosh, I want to fight for this, but they really want to do this. If we just need to make this one thing work and yeah. you know, and then we have them in, yeah. then you're good. And also because once you start, you don't want that manager to be like, oh, that person cost me so much trouble. Yeah. You want them to be like, oh, I'm so excited to get Exactly. Going. I mean, you want to come in with like high energy and momentum. Time kills all of these, right? Yeah. Like the longer you take, the more low energy or unconvinced you seem. And so even if you're not saying it on the calls, it just feels that way because like three weeks, four weeks of just negotiating just feels like, why do they not want this yeah, kind of yeah. thing? Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, hopefully, was, yeah, this is kind of fun. We should do more of this. Okay, well, if you're listening to this or watching this, you know, just tell us what you think, you know, ask us questions or stuff you want to hear. Yeah, just, job changes, right, changes. Right, and, and also like leave a comment on your own experience. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on like, was there a time when you tried to move jobs, leave a job? How was that for you? What did you learn just going through your experience? And just tell us what you think overall. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.